Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Episode 23 brings us to the final episode of the year, and I leave you with the second monologue. Before we get to the episode, if I could ask you to please take a moment to rate the show, to like it, and to share it. Your support and your encouragement helps me significantly, and I appreciate all that you do. May your 2020 be filled with love and abundance. May all your goals be met, and may you rock the new you in the new year. things that I've been learning over the course of my experience with social media, with technology, with paying attention to the way that the MSM manipulates everything that we see, I started really understanding that what the media shows us is what they need to show us to keep us disconnected. They tell us pro-life people are like this. Pro-choice people are like this. Democrats are like this. Republicans are like that. Beware, there's Antifa all over the place. Beware, there's KKK all over the place. There's neo-Nazis. There's this, there's that. There's extremists. There's alt-right. There's alt-left. There's all these horrible people. But the truth is, when you step outside into reality, when you walk away from your screen, when you stop paying attention to what they're screaming at you, through your news feeds and the crawls on whatever cable programs you're watching, people aren't as bad as they want us to believe they are. People are actually really friendly. You can go out into the real world, shut your device down, and you can interact with a complete stranger and have a positively wonderful experience. But then if you go back and you open up your device, they, the powers that be, they're going to remind you that whatever you just experienced is a lie. And that's the biggest lie of all. See, the reality is, is they need us disconnected, distracted, and hooked on whatever messaging they're feeding us. Because if we pay attention to the message that they're feeding us, we're not going to go discover for ourselves that they lie to us about our reality. In truth, our reality only exists as far as we're involved in it. And so if I shut my device down, I can focus back in on my actual reality. See, MSM, social media, the technology, well, they are beautiful, wonderful developments in progress, in sharing and communicating and connecting people. There are also these horrible tools that can keep us locked in a reality that doesn't really exist. They keep us disconnected and distracted. We're not really going to pay attention to how much power they are taking over and exerting on us. We're not going to be aware of all of the things that they're doing behind our back. If they can keep us angry at one another and too afraid to engage and connect with with another person, then they're going to have all of our attention. And if we keep giving them all of our attention, we'll eventually stop giving our children attention and our spouses and our friends and our family because we're so glued to whatever's being streamed across our device screens. I think that we need to take breaks from the technology. We need to step outside into reality. We need to interact with people that media has portrayed to us as the enemy. 
Because what we do is we go around and we look at people and we look for certain things. We look at skin color. We look at the way they do their hair. We look at their hair color. We look at the way they do their makeup, the way they dress, the way they walk, whatever clothing they're wearing. We have been taught how to generalize and stereotype and prejudice ourselves against what we see. And it's not even so much what we hear. It's just what we see. Mega hat. Oh, we know everything there is to know about anybody that wears a mega hat because CNN told us. But that's not really true. I know a lot of people that voted for Trump that are the most wonderful people I've ever met. And I know a lot of really, really big assholes that didn't vote for Trump. I know a lot of assholes that voted for Gary Johnson. The reality is, is there are assholes everywhere and they fill every label and category. And I can be an asshole sometimes, but I can also be really nice. I can also be really kind and compassionate. I can also be very charitable. I can go out of my way to help someone I've never met in my entire life. I can go out of my way to make sure that the person that is right in front of me that I've never interacted with receives love and compassion. But if they keep us hooked on all of these devices, streaming the hate across everything, we're never going to really realize that the world isn't as bad as they tell us it is. They take little stories here and there and they blow them up and they tell us that's your reality. Well, our country is split up into all these different subcultures. And those subcultures sometimes do make it difficult for those of us who didn't grow up in those cultures to participate and feel comfortable in. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And it doesn't mean we should lock ourselves away and isolate ourselves and only keep ourselves surrounded by the same people that confirm the same biases that we have because that makes us stupid. That keeps us from growing. That keeps us from challenging the way that we think critically about everything. And so if you really want to know what's going on in the world, shut your fucking device down. Go outside. Go interact with someone that you don't know and have a conversation. Create a connection. Create a relationship. Your reality is centered on relationships, not the rhetoric that they're spitting at you. And so let's talk about realities. When we talk about hot button issues, we are convinced that when we throw down what we believe, I believe this, I support this, I endorse this, this is my value, this is my principle. Why do we think somebody else has to agree with us? Why do we think somebody else has to support what we think? My thoughts are my own. I don't need you to agree with my thoughts. Maybe at the very least, I just want you to hear me. I just want you to understand my views. Because if I'm willing to share with you why I think these things, the only thing I need from you is understanding. I don't need a debate. I don't need an argument. I don't need you to convince me that I'm wrong. And I am certainly not going to convince you that you're wrong. I'm not going to go out of my way to, to, to prove that one of us are right or wrong. Because we could both be right. And we could both be wrong. Or we could take this whole idea out of the equation that somebody has to be right or wrong when we're having discussions, when we're having dialogues, when we're talking to people and trying to know somebody and trying to understand their perspective, their experience, their life views. We don't have to tell them what they experienced or what they see or what they believe is wrong. We can just say, well, you've shared your life with me up to this point. All of these choices that you have made, all of these beliefs that you hold, all of these things that you endorse, I can understand why. 
Because as you slowly reveal yourself to another person, you're giving them more pieces to the puzzle of who you are. We don't need to sit in judgment of other people. What we should do is sit in awe of other people. Sit in awe of other people in the way that they reveal pieces of themselves to us. Because if you ask me, that's sacred. That's holy. When people are willing to share themselves with other people. Like, for instance, whenever I hear people get on others about abortion, we need to support abortion, abortion is a woman's right, da-da-da-da-da, I want to remind people, look, I've had an abortion, and I've jumped all over the fence on being pro-life, pro-choice, or anti-choice, or anti-abortion, or whatever you want to call it, but I've had an abortion. I know what it did to me. I know that physically, it can harm you. I know that psychologically, it can fuck you up. And so if you ask me if I support the act, I do not. I do not support the act unless what accompanies that choice is also support, is also healing, is also means and devices and tools that will help that woman become whole again. Because what that does to a woman mentally can create years and years of trauma. And a lot of women want to act like it's nothing. It's the same as going in and getting a new prescription for your glasses, but it's not like that. And I honestly believe that the women who go in and out and shout their abortions and brag about their abortions not being a big deal are lying. It's a piece of you. And if it's your body, you took a piece of yourself away. And that, that'll make you not feel whole. And so when people ask me why I'm anti-abortion, it's because what follows the abortion is never discussed. If you're for women's rights, then at the very least, you should want the doctor who is performing your abortion to have admitting privileges to a nearby hospital in case something goes wrong. Because otherwise you're telling me that back alley coat hanger abortions are your forte. Because that's the equivalency for me. If I don't have a doctor with admitting privileges performing an abortion on me and something goes wrong, is that protecting my health as a woman? And if black women are already facing risks in postpartum delivery and in the medical field altogether, now couple that with not enforcing at least minimum precautionary regulations for any woman, and specifically black women, to go through an abortion, we're not saying we care about women's rights, and we're certainly not saying we care about black lives. That would be what I offer in regard to abortion. I don't want it to be endorsed as some flimsy in-and-out quick service, because that's not what it is. It's a process. It's a mental process. It is a physical healing process. It's not something you can just go and have done and be partying at, at, the, at, the, at the next sorority party a few hours later. When I share with people my views on it, I don't expect that what I'm sharing changes their mind. I want it to change their outlook on people who don't support abortion. I want to take away that, that cliche generalization that exists out there that if you're, that if you're pro-life, that means you might actually be anti the rest of the life. You're only pro-birth. I want to take away that generalization and stereotype that says that people who are pro-life don't care about anything else. We need to stop 
making these assumptions that if one person holds one view, it automatically means this person holds views in this regard, under this spectrum, forever. We have to stop doing that to each other. A very special thank you to Perry Willis, Will Rucker, Cordell Winrow, Seth Price, Paul Thomas Daralek, Danny Prada, Dan Kent, Todd Vick. Thank you so very much for joining me on Recorded Conversations and for helping me show other people how authentic and connected dialogues can help us understand each other's perspectives. I wanted to give a special thank you to my dear, wonderful, beautiful friend, Nora Speakman, for the graphic that you see that I'm now using for the podcast. I want to thank my husband for not only accompanying me on the podcast, but for your unending support, help, and encouragement of my pursuits. I love you, Corey. Recorded Conversations will be back in February of 2020. Until then, I'm going to leave you with my top recommendations of the books that I read in 2019. These books have helped shape my current view, have influenced me to dig deeper into myself to find out who I am, and have helped me answer the question, who am I and why am I here? So of the 57 books I read this year, these are my top 20 recommendations in no particular order. We Need to Talk by Celeste Headley, The Double Flame by Octavio Paz, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, Communion by Bell Hooks, The Body Is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, Conversation by Theodore Zeldin, The Dark Sides of Empathy by Fritz Breitharp, Confident Humility by Dan Kent, The Lucifer Principle by Howard Bloom, When God Was a Woman by Merlin Stone, The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene by Cynthia Borjo, Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel, The Erotic Phenomenon by Jean-Luc Marianne, The Second Sex by Simone de Beauvoir, Selfie by Will Storr, Free Women, Free Men by Camille Paglia, Against Empathy by Paul Bloom, and Heart and Mind by Alexander Shia with Michelle Gaugi.